you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity. I'm Ellie Stuhler. Today, it's all about fashion. In a landscape dominated by technology and social media, what's the role of catwalks, parties, or even exhibitions? We bring together two people who in some ways might seem on opposite sides of the coin, but in fact share a lot in common. Martin Cohen is the European director for Six Up Productions, an event production company that have created runway shows and events for clients like Paul Smith, Chloe, Jean-Paul Gaultier, Quadrat, and more. Jonathan Chippendale is the co-founder of Holition, whose strapline is augmented retail. They consult with clients in the luxury sector about how to apply technology to their products and their brands, from wearables to holographic fashion shows. They start off by talking about the changing landscape faced by their clients. The landscape's changing, and it's specifically changed within the last, I think, year so much and it continues to do so especially when sort of you're looking at things like print not being as relevant in a big sort of corporate world and then people are moving more into um, things like live events and digital and it's also how our company started was because the main part of the company is a print fashion print production company that shoots campaigns for Calvin Klein, Dior, blah 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 and the founder of it, Oliver Hicks, was looking at the company and seeing how it's all changing. And so this is where the event side of things came in. And then also then we started working more on digital and more film and yada, yada. And I think it is changing drastically. And I think it is, in a really fun way, the Wild West of for you and for us and for many people. You know, just sort of going back to print, there's more and more independent magazines now, whereas people like the Condé Nast group are really struggling. And I think just looking at some of our events, what brands are asking us more and more, everything has to be social. So from the minute somebody walks in to the minute they leave, there has to be this social moment. And then the brands create these huge stories around this. So it's no longer advertising campaigns. It's more things like Instagram stories or goes on to other sort of social channels and they create these big stories and just as a an example we have a communication agency as part of our group and we just did a big Instagram story for um, Gap that story then became the mainline campaign because it became so much more relevant than a billboard and so it, it is fascinating and for us as a production live production company where everything's going now is really exciting, more so than it was five years ago. And I think, you know, even just fashion shows, they are just as relevant, and even though people are saying they're not, but they are super relevant, but people are just upping their game. We just did a project for Paul Smith in Pity in Florence, and it was um, a performance rather than a fashion show. And for them as a brand, it was hugely successful because it just meant that people just saw a different side to them rather than just like up and down, up and down. And and I think likewise for you, when you're going into your brands, they're asking you for yeah. something that's unknown and it's up to us to find that known for them. Yeah, I, I think um, one of the things that I find very interesting about this space is that I think we have to remember that it's also incredibly new. I mean, yeah. there were, what are we, nine years old? Maybe we're in our ninth year. We launched Alition just before the iPhone was launched, before Twitter was launched, and right, when okay. Facebook had 1.2 million users, and you had to have an academic email address to kind of be on that network. So 
I and my um, three co-founders, we all came from luxury. And we started Alition all those years ago because we were just so frustrated, I guess, at the lack of digital desire, digital awareness, digital ambition that the brands that we were working for in those days were showing. And it was all the weight of the Rolex watch. It was all about the stitcher in the Birkin bag. And digital was way too impersonal a channel to talk about these really, really important ideas like touch and history and provenance and craftsmanship and design and service and everything that luxury was delivering in store. One of the very first meetings we ever had was with an unnamed but incredibly well-known luxury luminary who we sat in his office in Place Vendôme and he said, Jonathan, I, I love what you guys are trying to do, but until somebody can prove to me that the internet will still be here in three years, we are not going to go off and do anything mad and crazy and digital. So that's kind of where the bar was set. And I think coming from luxury myself, you know, I, I, I was at that point sort of in my late 30s where I felt that I was getting to that sort of ceiling where my bosses were saying, look, Jonathan, if you haven't been in luxury for kind of 35 years, then don't tell me about luxury because you really had to be in it all your life. But, you know, the tools that we have now are, are absolutely changing all of that completely. And there's that sort of great anecdotal comment about somebody saying, look, I've, you know, I know my sector, I've been in luxury for 35 years. But then uh, someone else saying, well, how does that allow you to talk to a kind of millennial, you know, yeah, sort of yeah, who's, yeah. Who's, who's changing social media, you know, because, and I think the most difficult thing for, for my clients, which I guess is very similar to your clients, Martin, is that, is that they're struggling to keep up with consumers. They are used to always calling the shots. They used yeah. to talk at consumers. They used to create this brand world and tell people what to wear and how to wear it and when to wear it. But it was all talking at consumers. And in today's digital world, it's around conversations. Brands have had to learn to listen, not just to talk. And that's been very, very difficult for them. Um, They're they're having to realize that actually it's consumers who are calling the shots. The show that you were referring to, the sort of social media show, that's been driven by consumers consuming media on social media rather than necessarily going to the front half of Vogue and looking at an ad. And, And brands are in a very reactive place at the moment and they will continue to be I think some brands have really addressed it and other brands are really struggling with it and I know that some of the you know some, some of the luxury brands that we deal with and one of them is a big jewelry brand is they are really struggling with it and they've sort of in the last two years, they've opened up an innovations lab just to address those things and to go out there into the world and to meet the people that is relevant. And it's not just about the consumer, it's about how they address the world. And that's what I think brands are struggling with. And I think when, for instance, when Vogue took them a long time to address the digital market, and finally they did, they were very nervous of it because they were the leaders in print. It's fascinating. It is fascinating. I mean, um, we we get involved with a lot of those innovation labs, and we find startups. Mm. We're, we're, we're quite well known within the startup kind of ecosystem. Mm. And we were in Florence working with a, a large luxury group and talking about innovation ideas. And yeah. it was very clear to me that a lot of their digital directors did not actually believe in digital. No. They were marketing directors that yeah. had, had their marketing changed to digital because mm-hmm. that's the way the world is going. But they weren't really convinced themselves that this amazing hand-built watch could be marketed using digital tools and we were talking about these kind of issues and we were talking about how Amazon is going from I want that to I bought that in in 30 seconds 
and a lot of the people, the brands around the table were saying, well, Amazon's not an issue for us. And it was on exactly the day, exactly the day that the head of Richemont wrote an open letter to the head of Kering and the head of LVMH saying we need to collaborate together because we have to fight online. And he meant in brackets Amazon. And, And I think that was a really sort of interesting moment because because Amazon is a competitor. When did they write this letter? So it was about uh, a year and a half ago. Okay. Uh, have they done anything? I, I don't know. But 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 one of the brands said, well, they've just done some research. And, and they had checked the time from the moment in a shop where a customer had said, I would like to buy that handbag, to the moment that the brand allowed them to leave the shop was between 30 and 45 minutes because it took ages for it to be hand-wrapped and it took age, and somebody came out with a leather wallet and the credit card went in and solemnly it disappeared into the back of the shop and it came back five minutes later for, to be signed. And all of this time, a lot of those brands were thinking that was a good thing because you could hold the customer up. But I was kind of thinking, well, well no, it's a bad thing because yeah, actually yeah. the customer wants to get out. And yeah. again, brands are starting to have to learn that, that actually – Different customers require different types of service at different times of the day according to what they're buying and why they're buying it. And and brands need to be a lot more flexible in their approach to customers than they currently are. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting when you have a brief from a brand and you probably get the same thing. It's just that they have a clear idea and um, they come to you. And as I said, you know, the first and foremost thing is that, you know, I got this brief the other day for a big high street brand for their anniversary and every other word was it has to be social so every bit has to be sort of photographed you know has to go to all these channels I think what I do find quite interesting is that as much as how confident these brands are they're super unconfident at these times and they don't know whether they're Arthur or Martha at the moment and it's so interesting because they come to you saying we're this, but actually when it gets broken down, they're deeply insecure, which I don't blame them. You know, everything's changing and everybody's looking to see what everybody else is doing. And their show was better. Their party was better. So the briefs are, you know, you have brand guidelines, but it, sometimes you look at anything really that doesn't really have any, the actual end product doesn't really sort of show you the brand the interesting thing about brands is that they are a collection of individuals. So it's not, you know, Halitian to Louis Vuitton, it's Jonathan to mm. the head of digital, you know, Pascal, mm. whether we can kind of make a personal connection. So we find that a lot of the creative work is what interests luxury, but it's probably too far out there for them Completely. to for yeah, them yeah, to commission. Yeah. But that allows them to feel confident that we should do a more rational project. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they kind of, it's a, it's similar thing to us, you know, they come to us and we present like a whole load of yeah. fantastic and wacky ideas, <laughs> but then it actually gets very sort of pared down. Yeah, and a lot of what we do is talk about the future and think about where, not where technology is going and, mm. and not where brands are going, but how will human beings mm. interact or, or relate to technology in the next mm. 5, 10 20 years. There's a quite an interesting sort of notion going around by a, a guy called Ken Thwaib, who was director or chairman of the World Economic Forum. And he's talking about this notion of um, humanity moving into the fourth industrial revolution. The first industrial revolution used water and steam to mechanize production. The second industrial revolution used electricity to create scale. So car assembly plants pushing Model T Fords off in Detroit. In the 70s, um, digital electronics brought about the third industrial revolution, which was robots and automating production. We're now moving, apparently, into the fourth industrial revolution, which is the first of the revolutions not to replace 
the previous revolution, but it's categorized as fusing lots of different technologies. So Ken talks about it in terms of fusing the physical and the digital along with the biological. And we were quite interested in that notion because we, we see that as being sort of humanizing technology. But one of the notions of this fusing sort of capability is, uh, I'm talking about fashion and luxury, is that it'll be joining together lots of different ideas into kind of more powerful ideas. So it'll be taking, you know, I'm sort of cherry picking here, but it'll be taking the fashion show social media but then whipping it around with artificial intelligence and cybernetics and I don't know something else and I think it's this kind of combinatory issue which is really really fascinating for us so when a customer says to us that what can you do with an eye beacon I mean one of the things we can do with an eye beacon is break it over our knees and chuck it in the bin because we're not we're not interested actually in the technologies we're interested in in the kind of the human relationships and the engagement and the creativity and then that we have to make the technology fit so um, I mean in some ways we're an anti-technology technology company is not about the, the tech there's one American brand, and I can't remember, it's like a big American brand, and I can't remember the name now, but they've kind of started addressing, or they did that about two years ago, where it kind of has all the customer's data. So as soon as you walk into the store, it sort of knows everything about you. And also, one online company, that I can't mention any names because it's being launched in April, is doing this whole retail summit about how the future of consumer shopping and you will be able to go even before you walk into the store as you're approaching the store the store will have all of your data and well that's it, like the amazon go yeah, isn't it which and is it'll being tell you now. what colors you like yeah. and so by the time you walk into the store it'll have everything ready for yeah. you I mean, uh, Amazon, again, has disrupted retail with their Amazon Go concept store, yeah. which is the, the store that you just walk into, pick up what you want and walk out. Yeah. And you're tracked throughout the space and, and your app automatically pays. And you don't have any of that sort of queuing or having a conversation about does it come in my size? You just pick it up, walk out and yeah. it's kind of done. And, and a lot of, lot of our retail clients are going, why on earth didn't I think of that? Why? Yeah. why again, it, it just... Again, it comes down to that issue around innovation, which is where do you find your inputs into innovation? And you mm. probably don't find it from within the luxury space. You probably have to go out, which is why your yeah. your uh, jewellery client there is looking at innovation labs to well, try and get look, access to more ideas. They're looking at all different things from, you know, from automotive to, you know, bespoke sort of leather brand, you know, anything that's kind of sort of feeds them scientists or anything, because I think it'll come from everywhere. And we just did a dinner for them recently where they asked us to invite um, some innovators to sit with their global CEOs, you know, those from different sectors. And I think that was, you know, some of them weren't overly interested in each other, but others like really fed into each other yeah, because yeah. it is the like there's one who's talking about the future of retail, for instance. And I think these luxury groups, they need to sort of, it's not just about bricks and mortar anymore. It's about all more, of it. Yeah, it's all of it. <laughs> all it's of it all, all of the it. time, 24 7. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same, you know, and, and it's fascinating what you do because it kind of sort of feeds into what we do and what our asks are from our clients more and more for events. And the events has to be 360 always now. It can't just be a good old party or a good fashion show. It needs to be everything that's... But it can be that and more though. It has to be that. <laughs> but, you know, there's certain things that, you know, like some clients, they'll do an event where it's just all about that half an hour. So you put in all this work... And it doesn't matter what happens before, what happens afterwards, it's just about that half an hour where all the photographs are being taken. And that's a strange world to exist in as well because it doesn't feel very human. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think the fashion show is one of those really interesting areas which has 
been thoroughly disrupted. I mean, we often do a fashion show. Many years we do a fashion show. And I'm thinking about one of the first ones that we did, which was kind of our show rather than we were brought on to do bits of other people's mm. show, was a, a show we did for the British luxury brand Dunhill mm-hmm. in Shanghai. In, when was that? It's about 2013. And it was a huge holographic show. Where, mm-hmm. and, and, and I think before that, we were, we were very sort of struck by uh, how fashion shows in the sort of pre-digital world were very restricted. It was kind of a bit like peering in through the gates of Buckingham Palace. You Mm. wondered what was going on behind there, but you Mm. weren't ever allowed to get anywhere near it. And you used to enjoy or or understand the fashion show by picking up the magazines that you were Mm. talking Mm. about and looking at at the pictures of, you know, the the A-list celebrities and the sort of editors all sitting on the front row having that privileged view. But I think, you know, Burberry was one of the first brands to use technology to kind of let's call it democratize the fashion show with their tweet walk where Mm -hmm. models were photographed just before they went out and so the world could see the fashion before the Anna Wintour's and the Leonardo DiCaprio's and they could have a little inside view and then that that really sort of kick-started I'm not suggesting that that it was they single-handedly did it Burberry but they were the first to to pick up on this move away from sharing um, fashion shows. We we were working on one with a sister company called Inition, who do work in VR. And Inition filmed a, a Topshop fashion show mm. at the Turbine Hall, and then people could look at it in real time using VR goggles, sitting in Topshop's windows right. in, in yeah, kind of yeah, Oxford yeah. Street. And it was a way of saying, well, look, actually, the fashion show is it can be curated, shall we say, by a brand, but it's not owned by the brand anymore. It's kind of co-curated by the brand and, and the people that are looking at it. It's now... Completely. I mean, you can look a, at it from Instagram Live. Yeah, you yeah. Know, so every aspect of the show. Yeah. You can see now. Yeah. And I, I think Chris <coughs> Bailey said something really interesting. I, I was hearing him talk a few years ago, and he was saying how... Uh, and I'm very wary about some of Burberry's technology, but I find they're very innovative in the way that they position ideas. And he was talking about this, how he saw Burberry not as a physical brand, but as a online e-commerce brand. He saw it as as a net-a-porter that just happened to have physical space. And, and, he, and nothing had changed. Everybody had e-commerce and everybody had, all of his competitors had physical stores. But he just flipped it to say, rather than a physical brand that has e-commerce, we're an e-commerce brand that has these physical spaces. And he saw the physical spaces not so much as sales, but as, as a, almost like a recording studio, like we're sitting in here, where bands can play and fashion shows can happen and content can be curated. And then Burberry will push that content out over its networks into its social media channels and other people can get their mobile phones out in that physical space and they yeah. too can share it. So that to me, again, is, is very much part of this trend of brands creating in physical spaces ideas and stories. But then actually the real win for them is how they can take that idea and express it through digital networks. You're listening to Thought Starters with Martin Cohen, European Director at Six Up Productions, and Jonathan Chippendale, co-founder of Holition. still that need for human yeah. interaction and that's why live events is so important to people and that's why brands are doing more and more of those things you know they'll invest more into a live event than into their advertising campaign because they get so much more immediate return but i think it is super important that there's still that human interaction and it has to be visceral 
And, and I think what's, what's great, I completely agree. And what's so great about live events, which is one of the things that digital does so badly, is that a live event uses every sense. Yeah. Rather than just vision. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, you know, a, a lot of our technology ends up in physical stores and we're very cautious about how a lot of brands use technology in stores. I mean, in fact, in many ways, we think that most technology that we see in stores puts barriers in between mm. people and technology because it forces people to look at screens or to touch iPads yeah. or, or also to use an interface that wasn't designed for public interaction, but for private interaction. I mean, on your smartphone, you'll have a whole series of applications, but none of those applications applications come with an instruction manual of how no. to use it, you learn about the technology that works the same way that my kids learn, which is exploration and discovery, but also making mistakes. And making yeah. mistakes is a very important part of the learning process. It's quite a big ask to expect a customer in a physical store to play around with technology and maybe look like an idiot in front mm. of their fellow shoppers. So they kind of back away from it. So but what's so great about the physical space and your shows, for mm. example, and your events is that, is that you can play around with smell and sound and taste. And, you know, retailers talk about creating this immersive atmosphere, this immersive environment, but then they slap a great big VR headset and actually cut yeah. you off yeah, 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 from completely. the physical space. I mean, it's the, it's the exquisite irony of it all. They, you kind of have to decouple to get that immersive experience. But what you're doing is a genuine proper human experience it's not surprising that live music is still so powerful and completely. live events is so yeah, completely yeah. you agree. see there's so much more music festivals Your around is so much bigger than yeah. mine yeah and i think that's interesting what you said about making mistakes and i think it's what people are scared of and that's just a very beautiful human thing is to errors and there's 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 a beauty in something being a mistake especially yeah. if something is not quite how the brand envisaged it for yeah. the event, and it was a beautiful accident. Some brands don't want to have those accidents. Well, isn't that how penicillin was discovered? Yeah, you know, completely. For example, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just by sort of accidentally knocking something over and finding something. I mean, it, it's that disruption which is, which actually I think is sort of triggers a really interesting yeah. mental image. It's knocking over the pot of ink and seeing a shape. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, li life is not an algorithm. No, it's not. And it is, it is interesting when you. You see all this live experience on social media and, you know, everybody's tapping into that was a great party, that was a great show, but actually being there physically is the thing that's important because, as you say, it's all about the senses and, you know, yeah. whether it's smell, light, sound, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't get that on an Instagram picture. or well, and there's a, also that wonderful sort of... Or even in a film, you yeah. know. Yeah, but, I mean, isn't there that great moment when it's all a bit dark and you're sort of... Yeah. The anticipation, you don't, yeah. I don't... I don't get huge amounts of anticipation when I look at social media. I no. get fulfilment, I get gratification, yeah. but I don't necessarily get anticipation. And it's I mean, film of, evokes that, because film historically yeah. has evoked that, and that's why, you know brands are creating films yeah. and sort of content and that's going to be interesting how that develops the social media with a brand within the next few years yeah i mean you I, you're absolutely right again i'm in complete agreement i'm very anti vr in retail not yeah. not vr as a technology i think it's got a huge application but but i was reading a really interesting article and it was a journalist talking about a, a vr experience he'd had uh, around the nativity and mm. he was kind of in the stable looking at the baby jesus and there was a rustle behind him and the wise men were coming in and he said it was unbelievable for about two minutes and then he was absolutely crying out for a bit of creativity and direction because yeah. he was just a voyeur dropped in a yeah. space but actually what he wanted was to see how a director would cut it different ways mm. and speed it up or slow it down and, and, and actually create a story and I can yeah. feel that 
What we want is not just an experience, but a, a story. We want to view uh, I think VR is very good angle. for being in the home and playing a computer yeah. game or something. I think within an event environment, it doesn't work because you're there on your own, you're solitary. And I think it's interesting for, like, say, Fashion Week. So that's very insular because it's just for a certain group of people and only a certain group of people experience that physical space of a show or a presentation or a dinner whatever the average person doesn't ever get to experience that and i think the retailer has a responsibility because everybody's seeing this on social media now is to recreate that fashion show experience within a retail environment it's not enough anymore just to have a store with some digital content in there blah 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 i mean i think as you say going back to burberry they do it really well you know with maker's house and that kind of stuff but i think if you look at somewhere like salona de mobile that's kind of takes over the whole city and it becomes sort of quite immersive with you know you're able to experience the same thing as the editors are able to experience the fashion world's not like that but the fashion industry is so vast And you need to give a little bit more, you know. And I think people are very spoiled now, specifically those people who go to the events. They've, you know, they had the Louis Vuitton at the Oscar Niemeyer building in um, San Paolo last year. And, you know, they're going to the mood and blah, blah, blah. So it is just about making sure that everybody has that nice experience from the minute they walk in. And whatever happens afterwards, you know, is part of that event. Yeah, and as a technology company, it's not about the technology. Again, I completely agree. It's about yeah. it's about the human interaction. It's about the experience. It's yeah. about you know, digital empathy mm. or digital anthropology. How can we use technology to create an interesting human experience? And yeah. and so as a result, we we probably work in a very similar way to you, mm. Martin, where we always start with creativity or strategy mm. and then creativity. Yeah. And then technology has got to deliver that creativity. Yeah. And, and it's not a question of saying, well, I'm sorry, that's as far as the technology goes. The technology has got to be pushed or tweaked or moved into an area mm. where it works really, really well. We sometimes think about technology as being the reins holding the horse back and creativity as being the whip driving it on. And mm. We're in a bit of an arms race between the two. But it's also interesting when you go to a show or a live event, all you can see is pictures as this. Everybody's sort of holding their phone up yeah. and they're taking pictures. So it is completely interwoven into you know us as human beings now, but it's about how we develop that. So, so do you think with that in mind that there's a danger then if everybody's staring at the show through their mobile phone that actually it's putting a barrier in between absolutely, people and the Absolutely, absolutely. You know, you go to a concert, you go to a fashion show, you know, at an event or, you know, and everybody's looking at through this. I'm holding up my screen, by the way, <laughs> rather than, um, you know, actually just sort of staring at it. That was Martin Cohen, European director at Six Up Productions, and Jonathan Chippendale, co-founder of Holition. This has been Thought Starters, recorded at the Pod at White City Place, produced by Deanne and Co. with David Michon and Claire Crofton. To find out how you can record your own podcast at White City Place, find us at whitecityplace.com, on Twitter or Instagram under the handle at whitecityplace, or shoot us an email at podcast at whitecityplace.com. And subscribe to Thought Starters on iTunes, give us a rating, and write us a comment. It really helps. 
Our next episode will be live tomorrow, where we'll hear from movie founder F.A. Chuckarell and David Jenkins, the editor of esteemed film mag Little White Lies.